Hello, this is Fiona, host and regular GM for What Am I Rolling? Just a quick content note here about this episode's one-shot of Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu is a horror role-playing game inspired by the Cthulhu mythos from the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Now, many folk know that H.P. Lovecraft was, himself, an incredibly problematic figure. And I wanted to make it clear on this podcast right at the top of the episodes that here on this podcast we do not condone any of his views or beliefs. The Call of Cthulhu RPG is inspired by Lovecraft's work, and as such, we could say we take this inspiration and use it to create stories which do not contain these views or these beliefs. But we must acknowledge, and I do so here for the record, that Lovecraft was, undeniably, a racist, anti-Semitic, a misogynist, and many more things besides. And honestly, sometimes you cannot separate the art from the artist, and I think it's important to acknowledge that in some way. I also want to put in some content warnings for the scenario that we are playing in this one-shot. Content warnings for this one-shot include kidnapping, gunfire, stabbings, PTSD, violence, gore, body horror, dead bodies, and supernatural horror. Therefore, this episode may not be suitable listening for children, and may not be safe for work listening either. You have been warned, and thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Hello, and welcome to What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I'm joined by my friends Sam and David for Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game inspired by the Cthulhu mythos. First released by Chaosium in 1981, Call of Cthulhu allows players to take on the roles of ordinary but steadfast investigators drawn into the realm of the mysterious. They may travel to strange and dangerous places, uncover foul plots, and even encounter some sanity-blasting entities, monsters, and insane cultists. Within strange and forgotten tomes of lore, players may even discover revelations that man was not meant to know. Revelations that may very well decide the fate of the entire world. You can find out more about Call of Cthulhu and other Chaosium RPG products on their website. That's www.chaosium.com. I'll add links to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. So here's how Call of Cthulhu works. Call of Cthulhu makes use of Chaosium's basic role-playing system with special rules for sanity. The key thing to remember is this. Players use percentile dice with results ranging from 1 to 100 to determine success or failure of their actions. Every player's stat is intended to be compatible with the notion that there is a probability of success for a particular action given what the player is capable of doing. For example, a player may have a 75% chance of being able to track footprints leading away from a crime scene. This is represented by having the number 75 in the tracking skill. Therefore, rolling a number equal to or under 75 would yield a success in this example. Rolling half or less under the skill level, so in this example 37 or less, is considered a hard success. 
running a fifth or less of the skill level, so 15 or under in this example, would be an extreme success, and these may yield some extra bonuses to be determined by the keeper. If the player can justify through their investigator's actions, they can push a failed roll. Pushing a roll allows the player to roll the dice a second time. However, the stakes are raised, and if they fail for a second time, the keeper gets to enact a dire consequence upon that character. Players can, optionally, also spend their luck points to bring the results of the skill check down, point for point, and as a result, change the level of success. Whenever players encounter the horrors of the mythos or come across something mundane, yet horrific, they must make a percentile roll against their current sanity score. If they roll over their current sanity, they will lose a greater amount of sanity points. If an investigator loses five or more sanity points as the consequence of a single sanity roll, they have suffered major emotional trauma. The player must roll again, and if the result is equal to or less than their intelligence stat, the investigator fully understands what has been seen and is temporarily afflicted by some form of psychosis. When the player fails a sanity roll, the keeper gets to momentarily control their next action as the fear takes hold of them. I don't want to get too bogged down in how to play Call of Cthulhu, as I couldn't do it justice in the time we have, especially the combat rules. However, if you're keen to learn more, the quick start rules can be found for free on the official Chaosium website, that's www.chaosium.com, along with a free solo adventure, Alone Against the Flames, to download and try. There are also some great video guides on some of the more complicated game mechanics of Call of Cthulhu on YouTube, which I will link in the episode show notes. Also, quick spoiler alert here. In this one shot, we are playing Amidst the Ancient Trees scenario, which is found in the back of the Call of Cthulhu Keeper rulebook. If you're planning on playing in this scenario and do not wish to be spoiled, stop listening now and come back when you're ready. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. What matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's play Call of Cthulhu. Well, welcome to Call of Cthulhu, my friends. Why don't we go around and discuss, or discuss, or talk about our characters. So we'll start with you, David. Tell us, what's your character's name and what's sort of their backstory? Well, my character is Mr. Alexander Ryan Greylock, a writer and veteran of the Great War. He is six foot with medium length black hair and pale blue eyes, heavy stubble, pale countenance. He holds himself tall, but his eyes frequently dart around from time to time, his attention always being drawn, fixated on the dark corners of each room. He's a novelist and a playwright, but lately he's not been very successful as his writings have strayed more into the occult, and as such, the money has started to dry up. And Sam, could you introduce your character and what's your Sam, backstory? Sam has not prepared quite as well as Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you so just him on a spot. I will yes, be Sam. playing as Miss Jessamine Alderton, a bit of a dilettante. She sees herself as a purveyor of the arts, but considers little worthy of her sustained attention. She wears uh, like a cloche hat over short bobbled brown hair, green coat with fringe fur wraps, and underneath that is a 
beige walking suit paired with a sturdy pair of midheel oxfords. She's quite confident. She comes from a relatively wealthy background and this, you know, is a way of her to kind of see the world. I realised I didn't actually say what I'm wearing. Do you want to say what you're wearing? <laughs> I would now. I didn't realise we, we were doing outfits. You That's can. my bad, not Sam. But you can. If you wish to. Mine. Go for it. What are you wearing? I'm, I'm just wearing imagining a stubble. <laughs> all yeah, the way down. All over. Like Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Alexandra is wearing a kind of old, slightly worn, cheap suit, uh, which is kind of, it's a bit sort of dirty. It's a bit patchy in places, but there is a very well-maintained Great War trench coat that he doesn't go anywhere without. Think Luther if you want a... Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. 1920s Luther. I love Pretty it. much. What is your reasons for visiting Bennington, South Vermont. Miss Alderton? Mr. Alexander Ryan Greylock, my companion, is a very talented writer. I think you'll find that he's... Well, how would you describe it, Alex? I am enjoying somewhat of a creative drought. We both heard of the, well, the stories and fabulous occult tales of this place, Beddington, Vermont, and so we are off travelling to unblock his block. Yes, very kind of uh, Miss Alderton to provide the necessary financial aid for mm. this trip. But I'm sure this shall provide us with something that we can turn into a success when this is over. Very, very good. So I would say suggest that you've been in Bennington for a couple of days, staying at a reasonably priced hotel, separate rooms, of course. You know, I don't want to have any sort of uh, gossip going around. That could not do with a scandal. No. And you've noticed around Bennington itself there's been buzz of news and gossip. You see these sort of posters sort of wanted. You see the names sort of Sidney Harris, Eugene Clayton and Christopher Dobbs and there's sort of portraits sort of sketched sort of hurriedly on these posters. You know, wanted £5,000 reward. And underneath, maybe, again, just having a glance at them, because these posters are appearing everywhere across the streets, you see that these people are wanted for the kidnapping of a local woman called Jane Strong. And you've probably gathered this from your spending your time in the library at Bennington. Lucas Strong is a wealthy business owner, really is on the waterboard, for the whole of South Vermont. And naturally, there has been gossip about his business dealings and such, but it seems almost too perfect that something like this would befall the Strong family. And Jane being kidnapped is not welcome in this town. There's all this sort of talk about Jane herself being quite a headstrong girl, a bit wayward, you know, this how gossip sort of flies. Mac and a woman. Exactly, actually. She, <laughs> you get the impression there's a lot of old fuddy-duddies as well talking about like, oh, that Jane, oh, she's away with the boys. But then this sort of talk about this kidnapping has actually shook the town of Bennington. The streets are abuzz with the news and gossip about a gunfire that happened last night on the edge of the forest outside of town. There's talk of police cars, sirens, shotgun blasts and escaped kidnappers. The locals are saying that three gangsters were killed and two police officers were shot. Some say wounded, others say dead. Posters are going up around town saying the sheriff is organising a manhunt to find Lucas Strong's missing daughter, Jane, and to catch the escaped gangsters. Everyone in town is invited to the meeting at the police station. 
And rumor has it that Mr. Strong has announced a five thousand pound, oh, a five thousand dollar, sorry, reward <laughs> for the safe return of his daughter. Now, considering sort of maybe the draw of money, maybe the draw of other things, would you say is something that you, would pique your interest, perhaps, going along to the to this news? Everyone is invited to go. I would say the money is a plus, certainly, um, but. Well, if we can get Mr. Strong to support us, then he may wish to do us a favour when it comes to financing the next play. Yes, money is always important, but, you know, story is a story. This should get the old mental juices flowing, my dear. You are very correct, my dear. So, it's 10am on Saturday, the 20th of June, 1925, and you both find yourselves in the Sheriff's office. A small gaggle of people are also there, tightly fitted into the rooms, the sort of the wood panelling going up the walls, the horrible sort of that nasty smoke-stained sort of beige wallpaper or paint everywhere. This place has not seen a good clean for some time. Jezzamino, you are like, "Mm, no thanks, this is a little bit, not beneath you, but definitely like, "Mm." it's very small-towned design pattern, as it were. And the police sheriff, Sheriff Jenkins, sort of gets to his podium and says, well, thank you all for coming. You all know why we're here. One of our own, Jane, as you know, was kidnapped by the Harris gang. And I just want to fill you in all on the details before we set out into the forest. As you know, Jane was taken from us maybe a couple of weeks ago. And we've been going having a back and forth between the Harris gang, in particular Sydney, and with Mr. Strong. And he points to the back of the room. And maybe you turn around and you see Lucas Strong at the back, arms sort of folded a sort of a, a brick of a man, just all corners, no sort of in and out, just solid, a thick neck sat on top, no chin, just all head, red, bright red, and the look of anger on his face seething. Now, as you know, we managed to uh, secure a ransom of $10,000 as per Sydney's request, and a handover was arranged last night on the edge of town. From what we gathered, uh, for certainly from our reports, things were going smoothly until Harris and his men got a bit twitchy. Lead started flying and chaos ensued on both sides. We did manage to kill or at least wound some of the, his gang, and unfortunately we lost some officers in the process. They seemed to have got away, ran back into the forest, taking the money with them. Now, just so you all know, Jane was not here, was not at the scene. We suspect... They are hiding out somewhere in the forest, maybe using one of those old cabins, but we don't know where. The idea was that they were going to give us directions to the cabin so that we could go find Jane. Now, obviously, this is an act of emergency. These men are armed, they are dangerous, and now they have a lot of money. We want to get Jane back safe and sound. And the only way we're going to do that is by using all the manpower we can get. We believe they are going to be back at their hideout, wherever that may be. So we're thinking of doing a perimeter of the forest. So we need every man, every woman, be in groups together and just to fan out and start spreading through the forest. Now we understand and we appreciate that the forest is big. We want to be able to go up to the county line, which will take some miles. So it might be a couple of days. We are asking some of you, maybe stay out in that forest for several nights. And then Lucas at the back sort of gets up, puts his hand up, and uh, Sheriff Jenkins is like, oh, please, Mr. Strong. And so Lucas sort of comes up again, maybe pushing his way past him. He is, like I said, a brick of a man. 
is sort of, I would even say maybe short, shorter than most people, but sort of his power and presence, it sort of oozes horrible businessman, put it that way. There's definitely a dislike you get from it instantly. And he goes, listen here, Jane is the only thing I have left. I don't care how much it takes, but I want her back. I am offering $25 personally per person, whoever joins this manhood, in addition to a 5,000 reward for those who bring her back alive. And there's lots of murmuring and chirp, uh, sort of, of the groups of people. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. As people start to be, well, we'll do it. We'll do it, Mr. Strong. And you see maybe a couple of workers at the back uh, in sort of, yes, Mr. Strong, we'll do it. And you see quite a few groups of people are starting to sort of offer their services. And Sheriff Jenkins sort of sort of says, well, thank you, Mr. Strong. That is a very mad, kind offer. Please, is there any, any questions, anything we can help with our hunt? We want to get as many people on board with this as possible. I sort of raise my hand from the back of the room. Go ahead. I have a question, if I may. Oh, and you actually have quite a few heads turn around and go, oh, an Englishman. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of give a look to the crowd. This gang, do we know how many they are exactly? The sheriff says, well, there were six, and we killed three of them last night. From what Amen. I understand, the three we have left, there is Sydney, the leader, Sydney Harris, a local boy. Most people here will probably know him. And there's a couple of like nods and sort of like one person spits on the ground. The other two, we know one is Eugene Clayton and the other is Christopher Dobbs. As far as I'm aware, only Eugene and Sydney were at the handover last night. We're assuming Christopher Dobbs was with Jane at the hideout to make sure that she didn't run off and just to make sure she was safe as protection. That is what we're assuming. We don't and do know. We have a physical description of Miss Jane. Does she look like her father? <laughs> Five minutes into it and you've ruined it. No. Um, <laughs> We've got to enjoy the light bits. They give you a quick description. Jane, you get the impression is about 16. Long hair, sort of maybe tied back into a ponytail, bright green eyes, freckles. And it was last seen sort of wearing like a, a grey smock. You get the impression probably well-to-do, you know, obviously being the daughter of a local businessman and certainly one with high power being on the waterboard, South Vermont. But again, like, they give you this description. It doesn't really add to any rumours about, like, well, from what you heard before, you know, we sort of gossips going, oh, she's such a wayward girl. Oh, you know, like, but, you know, there's the way small-town gossipers work, essentially. Small-town judging. Exactly. I think that's it. Uh, Miss Alderson. Yes, these uh, Ned Wells. Um, Heads you know, click to you and go, oh, a rich woman. Oh, <laughs> short <I'm> hair. <laughs> Do they have any haunts or places they are known to odor? That's a magnifying question, Miss. Sydney was known to the local police forces here, so we did go check out his Mars house, cleaned everything out. He's not been there in several months. We've checked out all the usual haunts around town in Bennington, and again, no sign of them. We think whenever they were planning to do this kidnapping, they'd already moved on out to wherever their hideout is in the forest and taken and then stayed there. We also suspect that maybe once they had the ransom, because we are so close to the border, they might try and make it to Canada. And it's very important that we get them and bring them to justice for such a, you know, firstly taking so much money illegally, and also for any harm that's been caused to, uh, to Jane. Forgive me, Mr. Strong, but... Heads, back to you. <laughs> I feel it's very important that we cover all our bases before we head out on the search. 
did Miss Jane have any uh, contact with these individuals before the kidnapping? What are you implying? Nothing untoward, my good man. Simply, did she know of them? Were they friendly at all? I have no idea, and I do not care for any insinuation that you feel towards these things. My Jane is a good girl, and frankly, I just want her back. I don't care if she had any feelings or not. I have no idea. I've been busy working at the reservoir. I've been working day and night. I understand. I sort of lean back, unscrew the hip flask, and... (laughs) I immediately push it back down. Prohibition, my man. Not in public. Uh, thank you kindly, Miss Alderson. Shakes from the wall, you understand? Oh, yeah. So there's a few other questions and a couple of there's a sort of a sign-up sheet as people start grouping together. Um, I, I'm assuming, but please tell me uh, otherwise, are you planning to sign up to Manhunt? I imagine we give each other a look and just... Shrug shoulders. Might as well. At the very least, we could use the $25. Yes. Well, you probably fine, but I certainly could. It'll do for pocket change, I suppose. You are informed that the search is starting at noon, and so you have sort of two hours to sort of prepare yourselves. Do you mean that you're both relatively new in town? There's sort of a big sort of town map of where you are. Maybe you ask someone to say, oh, what's the main things? You obviously know the library very, very well. You're pointed out towards the uh, Arthur J. Spence hardware store and the gun store. You see a couple of people going to sort of load out, maybe get a couple of guns as well, because as you sort of been told, this gang was armed. And other people are starting to pick up camping equipment and gear, because they're planning to stay out in the forest overnight to make sure that the perimeter that they're going to try and put around this Paris gang is intact. So you've got two hours. What would you guys like to do? Miss um, up. Yes, I think it would potentially be a good idea if we were to arm ourselves. Yeah, so you a good shot, my man? Good enough, to, good enough to survive the war. Yeah, as well. Not always the case. Right, let's let's go suit up. Agreed. Marvellous phrases you have today. Suit up <laughs> is definitely not 1920s. I shall have to write some of them down for this um, action thriller I've been working on. What, is it called The Avengers? <laughs> so it's 1920s and he's British, so it's Her Majesty's... Oh, no, His Majesty's Avengers. <laughs> It's just Kingsman. That's all it is. That's it. I'm writing Kingsman. So in the gun shop, you can buy a handgun, a shotgun, a rifle, a small knife, machete, small club, and a baseball bat. Those those are those are on offer. Um, what I'd say is that you probably won't be able to get more than two of the items. You can't be like going into like be hunting or anything like that, like covered in yeah. like weaponry. It's uh, not hot fuzz. Put it that way. <laughs> God, God damn it! I think. A rifle and a knife would suit well. Okay. Or rather, as Alexander would say, by the king, is that of the Enfield? My good man, I must have it. How much? You have this conversation. Yes. <laughs> You've got it. <laughs> the man in an incredible um, South Vermont accent gives you the gun. It's like, it's so nice to talk with someone who's from overseas. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get a handgun and I'll, I'll get a small knife as well. We're not big bruisery people, are we? No, but it makes nah. sense. You want to keep yourselves, um, yeah. you know, you've got a defense of some sort. So whilst you're at the gun store, I'd like one of you to make for me a listen roll. What I need you to do is roll your 2d10s and then compare it to your listen roll and tell me if you get a success. I can do that. I'm middling at those. Whilst you're doing that, I'll talk to the guy. 
I want to be under, don't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fail. Yeah, there's a lot of gossip uh, going around. There's a lot of people like you know excited to go out into the forest. You hear snatches of like stuff saying like, well, oh, I've, we've not been in the forest for years. God, I've heard of ghost stories in there. You know, stuff about the Civil War. You know, way back when, uh, you know, people would desert into the forest to try and get to Canada, but they would die there. Well, you know, all that sort of like try to spook each other and try to sort of scare them. But other than that, you don't seem to get anything else from it. You don't really hear much about Jane. They're just all sort of trying to outdo each other about like, oh, well, I've heard this in the forest. I've heard mm. that in the forest. But it all seems to relate around to Civil War veterans, which actually, because you have spent some time in the library in the previous days, you would actually know about. Because obviously this area, as I've sort of, sort of mentioned briefly, is just below the Canada border. So people would try and desert from the Union Army and try to make their way across the border to escape conscription. Sam, did you say you wanted to talk? Yes, I was just going to try and lean in whilst there's not too much overhearing as people are busy with stuff. My companion here is from England and as such is unused to our patriotically stringent attitudes towards alcohol. Uh, Professionals of medical nature have even warned him that cutting off supply would result in his untimely demise. I mean, just look at Paul Wretch. Would you be so kind as to direct us towards a local venue where we could perhaps wean him off this terrible drink of the devil and speak easy? this evening. <laughs> Can you roll for me a persuade check? Should have put more charm into that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you, can use, you, you, can, you can use charm if you want, if you've got charm. No, I think you're right, there's more persuade. Are you trying to be charming, I'd say? She's always I charming. I would have yeah. sweetened him up more. Okay. Fuck. That wouldn't even been good if it was charm. <laughs> 76. That's Ooh, a fail. So a fail, a fail. The man sort of looks at you and is like, I'm sorry, man. And then someone else grabs him and is like, I want these things. And you're like, oh, and, and sort of gets distracted by it. So he doesn't really have time to react. But from his face, he's like, from what he saw, it probably wasn't a good thing to ask about. Uh, <laughs> I'd say it was quite easy to get those, the guns and stuff. So you still have a little bit of time before meeting at noon to go off. So is there anything else you'd like to do? Get more, some more outdoozy boots. Easy enough. Yeah, there's a, a general store nearby. Should we get camping equipment? I mean, it is dark, and I hope we don't have to use it, but if it becomes a necessity. Yes, yes, that's, that's quite the idea. I was also going to suggest, well, I've, I've heard some interesting rumours about this forest. I was thinking after that, maybe we could head back to the library and pick up what information we can see if there's anything that would maybe paint a more natural conclusion as to where this cavern might be. The gold idea, Mr. Greylock. Positively gold. Thank you, Ms. Alderson. But uh, camping equipment first. No, let's prioritise. Easy enough again. Like it, it feels like they've, they are definitely selling quite a few. Uh, there's like, you know, cooking equipment, camping equipment. There's definitely enough left. So I will say that you easily get what you need for at least two people, maybe two separate tents, I'm assuming, again. Uh, that you're having it separate and that camping equipment and whatnot. So that easy. depends how much camping equipment I'm going to be carrying because you know I'm going to be carrying it. I assume enough for two people, but yeah. enough that you are strong enough. Like, I don't know how, how your strength is. Uh, my, like a weedy man. Uh, my strength is 50. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Even at 40, you'd be fine, I think, because it's, yeah. it's camping equipment. <laughs> so he's, he's going to carry the tents. I'm very sorry, Mr. Olsen, but uh, you will have to carry some of this. Oh, yes, of course. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. I will take this and I pick up, like, a pot. Yeah. (laughs) You just hold it. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, Shall we to the library? Both of you can make a library roll. I'll say you can do it with bonus die, 
So that means rolling two of the tens and taking the lower to get a modest success. Both of you Ooh. can do it. Oh, no, that's so close to being like an overwhelming success, but it's not. It's a hard success. And Sam? I got a 68. So no? No. <laughs> You're sort of like, I think this whole library experience for you, you you're not really one for books. Like, you, you like the concept of books, but, but actually... But How no, dare you, woman? You like the idea? I'll have you know I am no stranger to the, uh, uh, the fiction section, <laughs> but I find all this wordy non-fiction stuff a little difficult. That is Mr. Greylock, I found one of yours. Oh, put it away. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you're a bit more distracted. Maybe you're trying to think about, you know... Not I, I guess... one for books. Well... <laughs> It, <laughs> compared to again you spent many days in the run-up to this so you're like oh not the library again like that's sort of like mm, okay but mr Greylock, you do sort of go through the books and this time instead of focusing on sort of your research projects you sort of look towards sort of the forest area and see if you can try and find any maps any sort of um well, what are they called? Is it um, orientation maps i guess uh, any sort of like with the, sort yeah. of the hills and stuff like that and you do find them Unfortunately, it is more sort of basic. There's not like, here be cabins for you to go and investigate. God damn it. Unfortunately. But you do see a lot of things. There's more tales of sort of stuff about Civil War, maybe some pre-Civil War maps, again, showing the sort of forest and now how, how since then it has become more densely populated with these trees. Again, stories about deserters into the forest. You find maybe an old article saying the Joseph Turner gang and maybe a picture of the sort of the gang who was like a very famous sort of unit from South Vermont being conscripted. And again, another gang of sort of ne'er-do-wells, as it were, who then went AWOL and aimed to run into the forest and presumably made it across the border. But again, there's no, there's no records of them for that. You find stories about possibly a buried ancient power in a couple of books, a couple of sort of uh, very similar to what you're, you were sort of looking for before, but there's only vague packages here and there nothing necessarily that would catch your eye normally and then you actually find sort of the with that really good role actually with the hard success you are starting to read some of the more local newspapers maybe to try and get a bit more information on this gang and actually you read a lot more about lucas strong himself so as i sort of said he's sort of been well known for these being on the water board the water committee and his sort of main goal i guess you sort of say like working out his main sort of project is trying to build this reservoir up maybe about 10 miles outside of Bennington to a sort of a logging community called Somerset. And you look up maybe on the map and you see the Somerset is like on the map next to a big lake. You surmise that that's probably where he'd want to build this reservoir. And in, in the most recent article, you read that he's sent out a survey team as there's been reports of finding uh, precious metals buried within the reservoir lake. And he has sent out the survey team to sort of scour and see if there's any. Uh, truth to this or anything like that and it's again it's sort of a local gossip columns but again you get the sense from these articles that he's just not just not willing to talk about these sort of things he doesn't care about money in a sense like he like he's a businessman but he's willing to spend that money to get what he wants and what he wants right now is to get jane back if you're all sort of sort of done um no, uh, if there's of... a quiet point in the library where no one is looking i have a quick cheeky snifter go cool. Oh, right. Uh, fuck it. Do a sleight of hand. Right. This isn't going to go well. I'm not good at that. The, sh the shakes. The shakes. Got to keep the shakes away. Can it's, I distract? Uh, how, are you, how would you distract? 
I'd kind of spot where Mr. Greylock is going. Yeah. And maybe spark up a conversation with somebody there by going, my dear sir, we are looking for books on the subject of the surrounding area. Is this a good one? And I'll just bring Ooh. up like a random book. <laughs> okay, use your charm. If you get a success on it, Greylock, you can use a bonus die if, on your roll. What did you get, Sam? Oh, oh, wrong way around, still fair. <laughs> got 97. Oh, oh my god, wait. bad happen on 97. I was going to say, hang on, so what's your charm level? What, what is it at? 70. No, you're fine, you're fine. Don't worry about it. The guy sort of goes, this is a newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, sir. Who do you take me for? I, I didn't mean anything by it, ma'am. And so you do engage with him, but he is like... What the fuck are you on about? That's like, sort of like that. Uh, so, David, I, you can make that roll, but no bonus, because uh, if anything, she's causing more attention to you. No? 59. <laughs> what I can say you can do, because we've not covered this yet, you can push the roll, so you can roll again, but if you fail, there's worse circumstances. I'll accept no? being yelled at. Okay, you're about to do it, and then you just see this guy, this sort of librarian, hunched man, balding, with a little bit of a, like maybe a widow's peak, and he sort of turns, he goes, hey, 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 none of that. Oh, sorry, American accent. None of that in here. No, 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 no. Outside, outside. Sorry, sorry forgive me, sorry. Both of you, out, out. If this was an establishment, you'd be barred, but we're not an establishment, no way. I'll have you know it's medicinal. <laughs> And as we were walking out, I just sort of whispered to uh, Miss Alderton, sorry, it happened again. <laughs> Fine, darling, the rules of this nation are quite absurd. <laughs> so you sort of leave, maybe with, uh, if anything, you've left a sour taste in the librarian's mouth, you probably won't be welcome back there anytime soon, which kind of sucks for your own trip. <laughs> we're not staying in this town for much longer. So, noon rolls around, and you make your way to uh, the sheriff's office. There's, a, again, quite a sizable number of people there, and they start being sort of grouped off into patrols and stuff. There's, like, sort of, you know, four people here, three people there, and it sort of gets to you two and goes, uh, and the sheriff checking is, ah, oh, perfect. Uh, you two are together, yeah? Yeah. Fine. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Lydia, Lydia, I found someone for you. And out of the crowd steps this sort of a uh, very sort of tall, sort of slight woman, uh, same sort of haircut as Miss Alton with a bob, you know, longish coat with boots on it, backpack with trench. And uh, she says, hi there, uh, my name's Lydia. I guess you're here for the, to go find Jane as well, huh? Yes, yes. Um, this is uh, Miss Jasmine Alderton. Charmed to meet you, Lydia. And this companion is uh, Mr. Greylock. Oh. Charm. I wish I had a partner that could introduce me. <laughs> You you introduce yourself. Perfect. I'm sure. Perfect. Perfect. And what, what are you doing in these strange parts? I didn't recognize you at the meeting. Yes. Uh, we are, we're traveling. Well, I'm from uh, over the pond, as you would say, or across the pond. What is that charming phrase? Anyway, um, and we are, well, I'm writing a new play. And oh, a, oh, a playwright. Oh, my God. I absolutely love playwrights. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Miss Lydia. Very kind of you. And um, Miss Alderton is. Uh, Any, anything I've heard of? Ah, well, uh, there was um, there was this uh, the soldier, which was shortly after the end of the war. Nope. <laughs> well, it was in London. You may not have uh, been over there. No, no, I, I have not. No, but I I aim to travel one day. I I I too. I'm a a writer of sorts. I'm a journalist. Oh. Um, 
You're not a theatre critic, are you? <laughs> she sort of <laughs> does a horrible fake laugh. No, no, I write on current affairs. Um, I'm here with the Bennington News. Uh, Miss Lydia, what does it make of this um, disappearance? Well, it's quite strange, really. It's strange because I actually, I know Sydney, grew up together. And I mean, I've not been in touch with him for several years. Obviously, our paths have sort of diverged after the school. But yeah, I just can't believe he would do something like this. So at least I thought I'd be able to help in some way. And if I can bring him to justice and write a good story about it, then all the better for me. Uh, the two birds with the one, right? Right. And yourselves, mm. uh, do you know Jane? We do not, but when we hear of the young lady of Jane's uh, bold character being put in a place of unrest and unhappiness, we just had to jump in and help. Wow, that's mighty I've, fine. I've gone southern now. You, I love it. <laughs> As a mighty fine intention for both of you. Well, I'm honoured to be on the search with you. So are we. Miss Lily, I do apologise. I've forgotten your surname entirely. Oh, it's because I didn't mention it. <laughs> my my oh, name yeah. is just Lydia Smith. Miss Smith, thank you. Oh, Lydia's just fine. Uh, yes, of course, Miss Smith. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and so the sheriff says, all right, Lydia, Mr. Greylock, uh, Miss Alderton, can you follow me? And you go sort of towards the edge of town next to where the shoot site is. You sort of get there. And it is about, I'd say, 100 feet from the edge of the town to the forest itself. And getting there, you instantly see that this was definitely where the shootout happened. You can see in the trees, on the tree line, there are bullet holes that have been shot into it. There are bullet casings, shotgun shells littering the floor. There's even a couple of blood spatters closer to the town, which you suspect is where the police officers got hit. Obviously, body's no longer there. Uh, definitely so scuff marks in this dried dirt. And he goes, well, this is where it is. This is where it happened. And he sort of points into the trees and he goes... What I need you guys to do, as one of the first search parties out there, I want you to follow the trail if you find one, but basically head towards a northeasterly direction. Maybe get to the county line, and then if you've not spotted anything, come back in a couple of days. Hopefully we're going to just send more and more people out in sort of steady streams so that they won't be able to uh, sneak past us or double back if they try to. But also we have people, we've asked the other state, the other county to come in from the side as well. Just stay safe out there. The forest itself, obviously, whilst it's all right in the daylight, obviously at night, there you got them critters. You maybe have a bear or two. Good to see you're nicely armed. It sort of points to the Enfield rifle. Just be aware that there are other parties out there. So no, no trigger happy guns, all right? No trigger happy fingers. Of course. Uh, bears, you say? Ah, uh, yes. Then, Anything I mean, else we should be aware of? I mean, you know... The wildlife out here, Mr. Greylock. I mean, I know, was it bears aren't aren't your forte, being a a British man and all. But you know, just be careful, just be safe. What's it say about bears? As long as you can outrun it, then you're fine. <laughs> I lean over to Jess and go. I'm almost entirely certain that is not what they say about bears. Can I retcon that we bought a lantern and some oil as well? I'll assume that you've bought enough things I, to, I to stay out. Okay, but yeah, okay, okay. It's, it's good. It's actually good that you said that. So if you bought camping equipment and cooking equipment, I'll assume you bought light stuff as well, just so you you can see in the dark. Yeah, yeah. It's when you're talking about when it gets dark, and I was thinking, oh crap, did we? <laughs> did we do this? No, absolutely. The sheriff is like, all right. Well, I'll leave you in the safe hands, Lydia. She's very good at the local knowledge. You've not been into the forest yourselves, have you, Lydia? She's, no, I. Uh, you know, I'm just excited to be here. Well, great to have you here, Lydia. All right, best of luck. 
Thank you. Just say say. All right. Yes, and you. All right. I sort of poodles off out of the story, never to be seen again. That <laughs> wanders off once again. I sort of play over to Miss Alderson and go, Is it just me, or is everyone here almost creepily excited about this whole affair? Yes. Also, it does seem odd. Also, infernally happy to be doing it. Yeah, it's almost like they know she's okay. Suddenly, well, a bit squiffy. Yes. <sighs> Let's 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 stop whispering before the journalist starts getting. You you can see Lydia is writing stuff down in her notebook. Whether or not she's heard you, or maybe she's just making her own notes, it's up to it's up to your guys' discretion. Lydia, do you have weapons? Yeah, yeah. And uh, she sort of like shows sort of outside. She's sort of concealing a handgun just in case. That's my girl. All right. Well, this is going to take both hands. So, um. Miss Alderson, when it does get dark enough, would you be fine to use the lantern? Absolutely. Excellent. And now, uh, Lydia, where would you suggest we begin? You know the area better than us, even though you haven't come to the forest before. Well, and she sort of looks around at the crime scene, I guess. Maybe look for tracks, see if there's any, like, blood, because obviously they might have been wounded as well, I guess. So that would be an idea. I can have a look around. And Miss Alderson, you were about to say something? It's left my mind. <laughs> Oh, I do apologise. What are those women thoughts? Ooh. <laughs> you're, you're making all the sexist comments, not yeah. all. <laughs> where is this? Where is this coming from, P? Anyway, I... <laughs> gentlemen, what would you guys like to do? So you've got the sort of the crime scene. I've basically described bits of it. Obviously, you can look and try and see if there's anything deeper. You could go into the forest a little bit, see if you can find some tracks. What are you guys thinking of doing? Well, I have an idea. If possible, I would like to look around and try and see if I can detect any sort of blood like leading off when they rushed away, if anyone was dragged or if anyone was walking away wounded, if there's been any sort of blood spatter or whatever. So are you looking for the direction they went or how injured they were or something like that? Direction over injuries. We'll do one at a time, I guess. Uh, So do a track check for me, please. So I'm just trying to find track. Okay, I'm bad at that. Right at the end. Right at the end, Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 100. (gasps) (laughs) A critical fumble. Wow. Uh, Okay. And you can't push on a fumble either. Um, We'll come back to you. I need to think about that one. Miss Alterton, what are you thinking? I guess I'd be looking around and seeing if there's anything that's been left. If this clever girl has left behind maybe some pearls from her pearl earring or something like that as a breadcrumb. Do a spot hidden check for me, please. I'm good at that one. <laughs> oh, you didn't. You didn't do that, Mr. Greylock. Whilst you're sort of looking, maybe, maybe you part from the trees, and like there's like a, a there's like a rabbit, and he goes like that, and like sort of jumps at you, and you go ah, and you sort of fall back, uh, looking rather foolish. Maybe you put your hand in some of the sort of dried blood, uh, your, your arm. Yeah, you're like ugh, oh. uh, you look mm. quite foolish in front of your friend and this journalist who's writing everything down. But what did you get, Sam? Just missed, so I had to get under 40 and I got 46. So what you can do, you can push the roll, which means obviously rolling again and taking that result. If it's worse, then I have some dire consequences for you. Or you could spend some of your luck to make that check, if you want. We should. So I need to spend six luck to Mm -hmm. get 40? Yep. We need to get this moving, so yeah, I'll do that. Cool, so yeah, reduce your luck by six. You do remember, as you're looking around, you went, oh, Jane wasn't here. 
when uh, oh, yeah. so that's fine that's fine because i forgot as well jane wasn't here when okay so you don't find any necklaces you don't find anything else. but as you're sort of looking around quite close to where mr Greylock is actually you find the branches breaking off and you actually spot like a loose sort of bit of garment like a bit of coat and you suspect that this actually would be one of the sewers running away from the scene getting their sort of their clothing caught and then pulling it so you actually can track now looking at it you can see some tracks leading off from the scene hello what do we have here let's follow those tracks hmm oh my god splendid ah you're so good at this miss alterton you're right down there, Mr. Greylock. Yes, I'm absolutely fine. Miss Lydia, how do you feel about the prohibition laws? <laughs> <laughs> you know, drinking is the devil's work, so I'm not a big fan. Perfect. <laughs> so you start Lydia, making... why don't you join me at the front so uh, Mr. Greylock can carry on behind and check that we haven't missed anything? What? That sounds splendid. Ah. Oh. Oh my god, this is so amazing. I'm jumping back and forth between two different kinds of styles, so I apologise for that. I love it. Oh my god, that sounds great. Let's go. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, stop it. <laughs> um, walking, I glance behind me, make sure no one's there. Just a very quick... <laughs> just the rabbits, just looking at you, going fingers to eyes, back at you. <laughs> I just gesture at the rifle, looking at the rabbit. Rabbit, <laughs> runs away. <laughs> I feel better now there's whiskey in the system. <laughs> So you make your way into the forest. I'm going to ask for another track roll from one of you, but it will be made with advantage because Lydia is going to try and help you in some way. So you can be made with a bonus side. But what I'm going to say before we do that, I want both of you to describe one part of the journey. So I want you to think about like, what does this forest look like to you? What is the one thing that sort of jumps out at you going, that's that's an interesting thing. Does it have to be something like, oh, it's really strange and definitely weird. Does it have to be anything like that, but it's just anything that you would maybe spot whilst walking and whilst you're tracking these tracks. The one thing that the one thing that Alexander notices as they leave the town behind and they head into the forest is that, you know, wooded areas normally have a lot of kind of ambient noise. Sounds of just general life, what have you. This one is very quiet and it makes him uncomfortable. Yes, as soon as you maybe what, 100 feet in, 150, 200 feet, the forest gets thicker and the canopy overhead definitely starts to increase. But it is almost like what we would call in the modern days, like almost like a sound barrier. It almost feels muffled in a way. There are still wildlife about. Maybe you see an odd deer or two. But the noise and the hubbub from the town, obviously before there's that excitedness, the sort of <clears throat> anticipation of like, we're going to get them. It's so different in that contrast. And you really feel that contrast. Absolutely. The other thing that's noticed is that there are a lot of trees, say pine trees, things like that, which traditionally would be straight as an arrow. But in the forest, some of them are gnarled and twisted, not enough to be overly unusual, but you see the old pine tree kind of curving round into almost like a corkscrew and it's just wrong as you go in it's not every single tree but definitely as you get further and further in you see you maybe take a glance and there's just off one side and you maybe put your hand on it as you're sort of moving through and you're like oh the texture of it's weird and that's why you sort of look up and seeing it sort of turn like that a very odd sight again you're not necessarily a, a botanist or a tree surgeon or anything like that uh, not one of your many passions, but you definitely think that's that's very strange. What a curious thing to see. And maybe a little bit later on into the journey, Lydia probably trips over like a, a gnarled root and she sort of puts her hand down and, she, and as you sort of go to help her up, she says, oh, I, 
I'm fine. I'm fine. And you sort of pull her up and you sort of notice the sort of the flower patch that she's sort of like fallen into. The flowers on it are like a very bright yellow. Uh, it's not really a plant you've seen before. Again, neither of you are botanists, I would say. But actually looking around, you see patches of yellow flowers that are sort of grown with weird sort of tendrils, perhaps. So it's almost like a dream-like sort of thing. Uh, very strange, very odd. Maybe you take a few moments, probably, to make sure like Lydia dusts herself down. I've never seen anything like that. Oh my God, it is like the most amazing flower. Maybe she does a quick sketch in her, her little notebook. You've never seen anything like this before. This is not local fauna. I mean, I mean, I have never been this deep into into the woods before. I've lived my whole life out in, in Bennington. Like, mm. seriously, I've never seen anything like this. Can one of you make for me a tracking roll, please? Make sure you keep on looking for uh, this. I mean, I, I made the last one. Do you want to make this one? Oh, goody. <laughs> I have to get under 10. That's exactly what I had to get, so don't worry about it. With advantage? Well, how about this? I would say you could either do a tracking roll or a spot hidden. Oh, I'm good at spot hidden. You want to do spot hidden? This one's not going to be with advantage, no. Okay, fuck it. 77. 77, okay. Um, Again, uh, you could always push the roll if you want, or you probably wouldn't have enough luck to spend on it, so you probably can. I don't think. Could push it. What do you think, Sam? If you get a better roll but it still fails, is there any penalty? Uh, if you fail, the, there is a bad outcome. A worse outcome than I, than I already have, I, uh, I, if, if you fail it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 good. I'm good. So you get to a point, maybe maybe a couple of hours into it, the light coming through the canopy of, sort of the greens, the oranges and yellows from above, and you get to a moment and you stop. I think by this point, uh, Greylock, because obviously you've sort of maybe gone ahead just because you're trying to pick out this, the tracks themselves just seem to disappear. And you maybe look back and you, you can definitely see where you've come, but they're getting harder and farther. That's almost as if the person who was running away has either disappeared into thin air or you're just not sure. There's, there's, too, there's too many options. And you're sort of like, fuck. Can you just remind me again um, what you guys are wearing? Yeah, kind of cheapish, kind of worn suit and a well-maintained Great War trench coat. What colour? That's a good question. What colour were they? I think they were the, weren't they that kind of um, traditional sharp green? Miss Alderton? Beige cloth hat over short brown bobbed hair, green coat with fringe fur wraps, and like a beige walking suit. Predominantly greenish for both of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, mine's like kind of darker green. I think sharp, the uniforms in that one. Oh, perfect, perfect. Good to know. Lydia herself, because I've not really described that too much, uh, she's wearing sort of a, a um, again, uh, the short cut hair, but it's wearing sort of a, um, it's one of those like 1920s like ladies where they have like the long slacks, the sort of sharp trousers and a, a white blouse thing, but maybe a coat over the top, sort of the whites and the greys and stuff. So I guess, from a fair assumption, you guys aren't really having standout colours, you're not wearing anything too bright. No. Can one of you make a listen roll for me, please? I'm all right at those. Don't know how you are, Sam. 50. But I've also 50. I've been making loads of rolls, though, so do you want to? Okay. Should have been you. 76. Actually, no, sorry, I read that wrong. Any, anyone can make a listen roll. Oh, um, we all can. That, yeah, that's my bad. Sorry. Come on, David. 80. That's a no. Uh, Lydia doesn't make it either. I might push it. Okay, go for it. I think this might be dangerous, so... Okay, go for it. Push it. 
35. Success. So yeah, so maybe you take a quick breather and like Lydia's again is scribbling in her notebook and it's all of a you're probably just looking around, like taking in nature, beauty. Um, Mr. Greylock, you take that for the moment. Again, you're still, I think actually this makes sense actually, because you're, you are aware of the sudden change in sort of the sound, like the weird sort of like muffling, I guess, or the lack of wildlife. Up ahead, maybe about 100 feet, you hear wood snapping. I immediately just do all the other guys and just point towards where I heard the sound from and just grab the rifle. Lydia will go for her handgun as well and sort of hold back and Miss Altman as well gets the handgun out. I'm going to say, Mr. Greylock, can you make for me a spot hidden roll, please? Yep. That's a 12, so that's a hard success. Very good. There's a moment you see 100 feet away from you They've not spotted you yet. There seems to be two people, sort of an older gentleman wearing sort of a plaid shirt with a a big sort of cap on with a rifle, a small boy also with a rifle looking around. With that good check, you spot them and you see that they are hunters. They are sort of looking around. They don't look like the descriptions of Sydney and Eugene Clayton, but they are hunters in the wood. Okay, Um, I'm going to sort of quickly whisper to Lydia, uh, do you recognise either of these people? And now that you pointed out, no, no, I don't. But uh, it makes sense. There are hunters in the wood. Um, maybe you should shout to them because well, we're not really dressed. We could get shot at if we're not careful. Uh, Miss Jasmine, you are perhaps the most personable of everyone here. Hello there. They, they, sort, of, they sort of whip round the boy and, and then the, the sort of old gentleman goes, ah, hello, hello, hi, hi. I didn't see you there. Gosh. Since yeah, I had one of your lot there, Greylock. I can never remember the accents. Uh, no, they are Canadians, Miss Alderton. They start to come closer. Save the king. They sort of, they sort of come closer. Goes, oh hi there. Um, didn't expect to see anyone else out here in the wood. Uh, my name's Brian, and this is my son uh, George. And George is sort of like steps behind his father, just sort of like both with the guns down at the sides. What are you, what are you doing out here? Well, we're looking for uh, a missing person. Oh my God. That, a that's... young lady of age 16 seems to have been kidnapped by a group of ne'er-do-wells. Anything wow. you've heard or strange happenings in these forests of yours? Well, when he's out of our forests, no, sorry. We've, we're actually up here from, not Canada, we're here from Boston. We're actually on a, a hunting trip. Me and my neighbour, um, Brian, the Halls. Uh, you won't know them, but... Uh, we're basically me, me and Brian. We are here to teach our sons how to hunt, and we heard that South Vermont has the best place for these things, and so so we came here to hunt. We've been out here a couple of days now, three, four days. Hadn't heard anything about a kidnapped girl though. That's so sad. Yes, we have quite a few people actually searching through these woods for. Oh. Yes. So I would I would advise that you both be quite careful. Remain on your garden. Try not to shoot first. Well, thank you. Well, like we, like I said, we didn't know there'd be anyone else out here. I don't know how much you know about suddenly these woods. Hunters tend not to go too deep inside. The game's better on the outside, you see. Well, that seems almost illogical, doesn't it? Surely the deeper in the woods, the more game you would find. Well, that's what I said, and that's where the holes have gone. They've gone deeper into the woods to try and find the better game. But now, me and George, we just we decided to stay on the outside. Uh, we, we just fought a couple of deer. That'll suit us fine. And you see George sort of, again, sort of looking, looking down at his feet, sort of nods, shoves his feet through some of, the, some of the leaves on the ground. Do they have any deer with them? 
Uh, no, they don't. You say you got a couple. Oh no, we're we're trying to hunt deer, but um, obviously uh, letting letting the kid try and have a go. That was their first time hunting. Naturally, naturally. Mm. Yeah, well, we're gonna probably be heading back to town anytime soon, anywhere, because uh, well, Georgie and sort of like punches his son's shoulder. Georgie's a bit scared of the forest, aren't you? And he's sort of, no, stop. Like, because of like being <laughs> embarrassed for the strangers. Ah, don't worry, Georgie. When you're older, you know, you'll find all any of these monsters, huh? You said there was another group, the Halls. Is that right? Yeah, our neighbours. They've gone deeper in the forest. Brad and Alistair, they, uh, they wanted to try and find some of the more elusive game in here. We said we'd meet up with them in a couple of days um, just to see how they're doing. But, you know, like I said, Georgie's not too fond of the dark in the forest. Hmm. Quite understandable. And you see, see Georgie goes, not the forest. Mm. You know, it's like being really, as, as I would say, moody 14-year-old kid, like very long, lanky, really curly hair, freckles, like, yeah. <laughs> Hands up here, like, very defensively. I uh, lean over to Miss Alderson and go, forgive me for being quite um, blunt, but he is a 14-year-old boy. Maybe ask him what is he scared of. I think he will be more receptive to you than me. I could try. It doesn't hurt. There's something quite odd about this place. Yes. Mm. I think we need to find this other hunting party. I agree completely. Lydia, your views? Uh, she's been writing down everything that's going on this whole time. And she's, uh, oh my god, seriously? Like, this is super spooks. I am totally 100% in. Wonderful. Uh, excuse me, young man. What says something in particular that bothers you about this strange forest? Yeah. Don't like it. Get the weird dreams. Weird dreams? Now, what could that be? Just don't remember them. Just wake up and feel scared. Hmm. And then he sort of goes, well, Pa has some too. Now, Georgie, don't be telling these people that he's uh, just a kid. Like, you know how it is. You get spooked by staying out and telling yourself scary stories to yourself. Once the pan fire, you hear things, you see things in the night, seeing things that aren't there. It certainly gives me the heebie-jeebies walking through this place. Maybe go easy on the little boy, eh? And maybe go somewhere a little sunnier and more pleasant next year. She's had a lot of holidays in her life. <laughs> a well-traveled uh, young woman. I like to see that. I kind of <laughs> kneel by the boy. Dreams can't hurt you. We all have bad dreams. I do. You'll be fine. You don't remember any part of them. Anything. Sort of goes, I keep, I keep dreaming that I'm drowning. There's black water all around me. I can't breathe. And then something hits me and he points at his chest, like where his heart is. Something hits me here and then I wake up. And I don't like it. That sounds terrifying. I'm truly sorry. Fine. You know, I dream that I'm, every so often that I'm stuck in a hole and gas comes down around us. But they are just dreams. They can't hurt you. He takes your words on board. He sort of like, like again, looks, looks down at the ground, and he shifts a bit, but the words have definitely had an effect. And uh, so Alistair 
it's sort of like, well, thank you. That's very kind of you, but uh, we must be getting on our way. Thanks for the, the heads up, though. Um, actually, thinking about it, if you do see Brian, the Halls, you'll recognize them. Like, obviously, they'll have the hunters, they got guns, uh, but Brian, he's got a big old Texan hat. Massive. He brought it with him to keep the sun out, but obviously, we're in the fucking forest. What an Egypt. Well, in which case, let's find the hat and the man who it belongs to. And uh, ah, that's a good point. It sort of like points to Lydia. She's sort of, you can see like she's, she's done several pages, but she just flipped over the page that had the drawing of it. She went, that reminds me, there's um, some artists here. Yeah, we passed their camp a couple, couple of days ago. They offered in some Southian tea that uh, we passed on by because obviously we wanted to get to the outskirts. Maybe if you see them, Maybe just uh, check in on them. They were, they've been here for several days as well. They probably wouldn't have heard of the, the hunt for Jane either. And I, I will say, because I don't think you've mentioned her name, they don't know her name. That, wasn't, that, was, that was me slipping up rather than they, they're going, ah, oh, sure. uh. Could you provide us <laughs> general directions to both these groups of people? Uh, well, I'm, the halls, they went deeper into the forest, so not away. so sure. Behind us, but we've been tracking all over the place trying to find these deer. The artists, they're sort of like... You head towards Somerset, the small logging community. There are maybe a day's out from there. But, uh, I mean, unless you got a compass or you, unless you got uh, some way of tracking yourself, because uh, there ain't no hills around here. We were trying to find some maybe some high ground to see if we can do some landmarks and stuff. Nothing around here. All trees. Yeah, so it's a little dense around here, isn't it? As much as I would kill for some tea right now, I... We do have a job to do. We'll keep an eye out for your friends, though. That's about a candy. Uh, Miss Alderson, anything else you wish to add? Nothing, my dear. All right. Well, I wish you luck with your, um, your trip. And uh, they are just dreams. They are just dreams, yeah. Don't worry about it. Uh, well, safe travels, and I, I hope you find her. And then you sort of head off up the track where you've gone. Where you came from, and you see them disappear off. That was. He's writing it all down. Odd. Yes, quite unnerving. The boys' tales. Very specific. Hmm. From what I understand of psychology, more specific, the dream normally comes from experience, a passing thought. I'm, I might be wrong. I never remembered my dreams. Sounds fortunate. Shall we? Yes. We head towards uh, the forest. Looks like it's thicker. Oh, do we yeah. have a compass? I assume you do have a compass, yeah. Okay. Because you go, I'm, I'm going to assume that you have everything you need. I'm uh, assuming it's in camping equipment. Yeah, that's what I would assume as well. Yeah. So you um, can do, you could try and try and look for the tracks again. I'd say you'd probably do it with advantage because they've sort of pointed you out vaguely where it is. And you do have a compass, to be fair. You could try and work it out. And I'd say as well, you will have had the foresight to bring maybe one of the maps from the library, or like, yeah. do their version of photocopying that's not taking a book out, especially after that uh, interaction with the librarian. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it just quickly sketched down a copy of the map in tracking, is it? Actually, before I forget, I should actually send you a copy of the map I took, that I took from Google. So obviously this is a very accurate map to be able to see those state lines are genuine. <laughs> Looks... So genuine. So you okay. can see see Bennington on the on the lower left, and where they sort of were pointing to 
And where you sort of notice, so the sort of big thing I sort of mentioned before was Somerset off that's just over the state line. And then next to that is a lake. The Somerset is the small logging community around there and the okay. lake next to it. And so the way that you're sort of talking, maybe you've gone maybe about, well, you've gone probably a mile or two to the northeast from Bennington. You are making your way there, but obviously you might, will need to do some tracking rolls if, you, if you're planning to go keep going in that direction. Uh, yeah. Sam, do you want to take it? Sure. Um, it's the same for both of us. So uh, you could do it with bonus as well. So roll it twice. So roll the tens twice and take the lower. Oh, no bad. Yes. You got it. Yeah, I had to be a ten and I got an eight. Yes. Wow, a success. Very good. Very, very good. So you start to make your time. And this time, after sort of looking at the map a bit more and maybe thinking about what the hunters said, seeing that they've not come into any contact with anyone around, they've not seen anyone or they've not heard of a manhunt or anything like that, you start to pinpoint where you think the track will go. And as soon as you do that, you see the, the footprints again. You see the breaking of branches and bramble and you see like the trees maybe... You maybe see a bloody handprint on one as it's sort of pushing its way across. We did mention it before, uh, but uh, Greylock, you said you wanted to look to see if they were how injured people were with the fight. Uh, do, you to, yeah. do you want to do that? Yeah, you could either do a medicine or a first aid test for me. I think I'm shit at both of them. Medicine's one. <laughs> first aid's 30. Let's go for first aid. First aid, yeah. That makes sense. That's a 36. It's up to you if you want to push the roll or if you want to use luck. Do we think this is important, Sam? Well, figuring out what, how injured they how, are. How wounded they are. Uh, from the blood, darling, we can assume they're pretty in poor claims, but... Would um, this potentially tell me how recently they came through this way, like how far behind them, stuff like that? Or is that peeking behind the curtain too much? I'm going to say possibly. I think this might be important. I'm going to take it. Yeah, I'm going to use my luck, so I'm going to take my luck down by six. Mm -hmm. That puts me at 30. Perfect. So you've got a success. Okay. So you, you spot the blood and maybe you have a look and you can tell that definitely two people have gone through here. Uh, both of them have been injured and so that one certainly more so than the other. You can actually see now one was definitely lagging behind. So definitely one, I say, set of blood stains, perhaps maybe the one with the handprint. It's definitely fresher, but it's definitely been one's definitely maybe within 12 hours. One definitely is in 24 hours. Okay. And how bad can I? The one with the handprint definitely looks properly injured. And actually looking down at the, the footsteps, you can see there's, oh, there's also the tracks as well. You can see that they're probably like, maybe they were trying to sprint or just keep running and they are, they are lagging behind quite a bit. Whereas the other person, like, you know, there were two people, one is just as clearly just as kept going, uh, leaving this other person behind. Ms. Alderton. It seems like our gang members were running at different times. The injured mm -hmm. one, approximately 12 hours behind. Running. How bizarre. Now, I'm not an expert, but it stands to reason that if someone is running, even if from the police, this far into the forest, no doubt try to escape with his companion. Why abandon him now? These are thieves and cutthroats, my dear man. Yes, but they retreated at the same time together, though. That was what we were told, wasn't it? Mm. To abandon him now. Maybe he was months. bleeding all over the place or something. Or they needed to get back to the hut in order to move Jane somewhere else. Mm. Just mm. Lydia sort of goes, I mean, 
if what I remember of Sydney is true, then like totally, he would have like totally left anyone behind or he would have told the other person to go on ahead. Like the more important thing was getting away from the police and to get out. So he would, he would totally be someone to leave some, someone behind. I, I, that I believe is true. Whoever sure. is the injured one is suddenly badly injured and this person needs medical attention immediately. Let's hope we find them, like soon. All right, well, we should keep going then. So you make headway and you follow this track and as you get deeper and deeper into the forest, maybe you see like the old deer sprint away from you. But again, as you get further and further in, it gets darker and you pretty much walk solidly for a good six, seven hours, not coming across, following this trail and noticing that the trees are getting taller, maybe a bit wider, a couple more corkscrew ones. And more and more of those flowers, sort of the yellowy sort of like uh, fauna, starting to carpet quite a bit of the ground. But again, only in patches and the sort of the smell of them, the, the pollen, I guess, pollinating. Again, nothing unusual about that. Just it is quite, uh, quite plain. And you get to a clearing and Lydia goes, well, uh, I guess we could try and set up camp here for tonight. I mean, there's no point turning back. I agree. Uh, Miss Lydia, we did not realize that you would be coming with us. We only have the two tents. Oh, don't you worry. And like, pulls out her own. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh, Where were you keeping that, darling? We didn't see it all this time. Just behind my great big notebook. <laughs> nah, it's uh, good to be prepared. That's that. What's the, that's what the Boy Scouts say, huh? Just be prepared. Boy Scouts. Be prepared. Wow. All right, well, we'll set up the camp, and I think because of the bears, it might be an idea if we take watches throughout the night. That's a, a very good point. My danger here is always ever-present in these, in these forests. Uh, yes, we've, we've, we've quite got it. Are bears oh. afraid of fire? I don't know. I mean, they'll be drawn to the smell of food, possibly, but mm. I think it's important to have some fire so that we can see. Uh, I bears, agree. We'll... Bears will probably have good night vision. We'll set up a fire and... Uh... May keep away some of the predators. All right, let's set up the camp, set up a fire, take watches. All right, who's going first in terms of watches? And how long are you, how long are you planning to sort of do watches? I'm guessing you're going to, are you going to get up at dawn, essentially, so maybe about 6 a.m.? Or are you yeah. going to get up a bit later? I, I, I think get up for, light, for first light. So I doubt a... anyone really wants to sleep in. And who would like to take the first watch? I'll go first. Yeah. I'll go second. Greylock, and then Lydia will do the last watch. All right. So you get sort of to 9 p.m. and you sort of bed down. Do this first, actually. I need both of you to make a POW roll for me. A what? POW, P-O-W, at the top of your sheet. Oh, okay. (laughs) What did you get, Sam? So I have to get under 60. I got 61. I'm going to use luck. Can I push mine? I got a 72. Yeah, feel free. 31. And I'll do it the same for Lydia. Remind me, power is like your mental stability, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Miss Alderton, you're awake at midnight. I need you to make me a listen roll as well. Hey. Nope. Yeah, so you spend your sort of evening maybe bedding down, getting cosy by the fire... And it's strange. It's very quiet. Like you, you'd expect a little bit of wildlife, perhaps maybe some birds late at night, maybe a, a screech from an owl or something. You don't hear anything like that. 
And now that Greylock sort of pointed it out to you, probably at some point in the supper, you probably would have pointed it out. It's deathly silent. Deathly quiet. But your watch passes without incident. Mr. Greylock, can you do yeah. a, a listen roll for me, please? Okay. No. Nope, there we are. So again, maybe uh, once your watch is done, Miss Alden, you sort of report saying nothing's there or anything like that. But probably passing on to the fact that, yeah, it's really quiet. Keep a lookout. Mr. Greylock, you sort of watching the fire. Yeah, probably having a drink. Probably doesn't help. <laughs> you listen. Hearing the swill of the liquid sort of against the bottle. Looking into the fire. Keeping it stoked a little bit. You know, thinking about... Thinking about your book, thinking about the research, thinking about... Well, you don't want to think about that, do you? You start maybe looking, trying to be more on alert, trying to look for anything, and then you start to freak yourself out a bit, seeing shadows that aren't there, you know, made by the firelight, spreading on the trees. But you don't hear anything. You don't see anything cause for concern. These are just shadows. They're nothing. Just the old mind playing tricks on you. Then it's Lydia's go. Can someone roll for me, actually? Because I know you've got a D4 out. Can someone roll for me a D4? One. This game has me questioning if I... Is low bad? Is high good? I don't know. So it's in the early hours of the morning when you hear Lydia go... <gasps> and you both sort of wake up. Like maybe one of you goes to grab like the handgun and, sort of look up, and you see Lydia is startled awake. And the fire sort of died, the embers, very early, maybe about 5 a.m. And she's clutching her chest and like her eyes are totally wide as she's like, <gasps> Oh my You're god. Right, my dear. What, what happened? I oh my god, I just closed my eyes for a moment and I Oh, it's it's nothing, it's nothing. It's uh I just I had a uh, it was like the forest was all around me. Um I was walking and there was like yellow leaves everywhere and I kept walking and there was no sound, there was no nothing and I, I no wind, no nothing and I realized, I had a sudden realization that everything was dead and at the end of the path there was something like a, a clearing, a yellow light or something. I just heard a snap of a twig and I turned and then something hit me in the here in the chest and I just woke up this weird path I was following through the woods and I realised I must have been dreaming. Well, this is, this is a whole can of bad business, if you ask me. Quite. Miss Lydia, mm. around the heart. Yeah, and she sort of points to where she felt the sort of pain. She's feeling around it and you can see there's no... Like, she maybe loosens the, the, the blouse a little bit. Maybe you go, oh, a bit awkward. Oh, uh, Miss <laughs> you're on deck. <laughs> Uh, well, both of you can see this. There's no mark. There's no redness, no puncture, no anything like no blood or anything like that. But the way she sort of holds it as if something had pierced her in the chest. I don't say anything because I don't want to alarm her. But I give Miss Alderton a meaningful nod. Yeah, so say, maybe vocalise it because we can... So the, so the listeners <laughs> are... Oh, sorry. It's okay. Uh, I, I, I knew what you were doing. but I, <laughs> yeah. I give the meaningful nod of that's the same place as the boy. I give a fair meaningful nod back to Mr. Greydog. We're going to have a really long, intricate conversation just, in meaningful just, nods. Just nods constantly. Yes, I too mm -hmm. think that the changing weather is a sign of the changing of the seasons. 
Well, I didn't see anything. Um, I'm sorry I let the fire die down, but call that one to look, huh? Quite a rare, my dear. You seem like you need a bit of a pick-me-up. Would you like a drink of... Oh, I'd never mind. Let's get you up on your feet. Let's get I, going I, with a strong I, cup of coffee. I, I, coffee, I will have. Not the devil's juice, but I'll have the coffee. Thanks for the offer. <laughs> Remain silent. I arch an eyebrow at Mr. Greylock. <laughs> <laughs> so, morning has come. You start to pack up the tents. I'm guessing you're going to try and still follow the tracks, see where they lead? Yeah. Can someone make another uh, track check for me, please? Uh, Your turn, David. Ten or less. Oh, buckle up, kids. Unsurprisingly, it's not a ten or less. I'll tell you what, also make a spot hidden check for me, but it'll be a hard spot hidden. Sixty, which would be a fail. You make your way, and pretty soon you lose the, the track again. And you're like, oh, God damn it. Like, you had it. It was right there. But again, this forest, it's something, something about it again. The, the trees, now you're getting deeper in. The canopy over the head, the sort of the yellows and the oranges. The ground is sort of like the different faunas. Uh, again, that yellow standing out to you constantly. Like, getting to that point where it's almost like, it's just there. And actually... Looking around, it feels like it's getting more and more encroaching on your path. It's getting a bit frustrating. And it, you feel like, irrationally, that these flowers are deliberately hiding these tracks. They're deliberately trying to sway you, but that's such a stupid thing to think. You make your way, and suddenly you come across a road. Sort of, you get to the path, and it's cutting across your path, and you see tyre tracks on it. One of you can make for me a navigation check. Ooh, not bad at those then you should probably take it. I say not bad, 40. Ooh, 13. Nice. Hey, very good. Which is a hard success. The, yeah. Very good. So now that you're at sort of a little bit, a sort of almost like a breath of fresh air as you step out onto this road, you're like, oh, and you didn't realise before about how claustrophobic actually being in that sort of bit of the forest was. Stepping out onto the road, you can see it goes for like a good mile, you know, in either direction. And actually working out, and then maybe grabbing the, the map from Greylock, you work out that actually it's going, the track is sort of going to north. It's going towards probably Somerset. And now you sort of click, oh, maybe this is a road they use go towards the lake and the, and the logging community. A helpful in these times, at least because um, you were trying to go into that direction. And as you're starting to sort of maybe use the road a little bit, I'd say, maybe just go down maybe 50 or so feet to see if you could, I don't know, get a bit more of your bearings, you hear behind you, in the distance, the rumble of an engine. What do you guys like to do? I'm tired of walking, Mr. Greylock. Shall we hire a car or hitch um, a ride? Yes, but let's, let's... Does this look like a commonly used road, or more like a pathway in the forest? You can either do a track or a survival check. Shite at both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm just going to make a track check track. then. Go for it. Unsurprisingly, it was a fail. I mean, like, you know, it's a track in the forest. It's definitely a road. Uh, you can't tell how well used it is, though. So. Uh, let's, yes, let's, let's see what it is. But maybe let's everyone be a little more subtle about why we're here. Just uh, until Lid we know who these people are. Lydia goes, uh, quite, I think, well, and she definitely stole, stows the handgun and says, let's not, let's not make enemies of people, right? 
so uh, nature enthusiast trying to spot uh, a bear in the woods, something well, like that. Miss Lydia and I are carrying our notebooks. So are you, are you just standing on the side of the road, or are you trying to wave down whatever comes? Or yeah, well, I don't wave it down as it comes. Although the the charming one may do that. Uh, easy enough, like a, you know, a beautiful young socialite in a, a green a green like sort of coat and dress and beige walking suit. A truck comes out of from the sort of the south, comes close and does stop. It's so clearly like a very well used sort of pickup truck. Uh, a couple of dents in the front, but again, nothing untowards, nothing out of the ordinary per se. And out of it steps a man, a man about forty years old, great big sort of bushy beard. I was going to say bristly beard, but no, we'll go, we'll go bushy, bushy beard, bushy, bushy beard. beard. Uh, a little bit thinning on top. The hair itself sort of like speckled with grey. Can I help you there? Good morning, my good man. Um, I'm afraid my companions and I have got rather lost in the woods. You see me. Been doing a little bit of a nature hike, looking for the local fauna and fauna, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I don't suppose we could hitch a ride with you, good man. Um, well, I, I don't usually find people out here so far into the forest. Um, I'm on the way to the reservoir, but I uh, can't usually take members of the public in there. Um, sorry, my name's Mr. Stanton, James Stanton. Pleasure to meet you. My name is uh, Miss Jamesamine Alderson. This is my my good friend, Mr. Alexander Ryan Greylock, and over there, that's Lydia Smith. Right, right. Well, good to meet you, folks. Um, Pleasure. Sorry, are you out here looking at the wildlife? Yeah, it's quite interesting uh, landscapes you have here. Quite fascinating, but as I say, we've managed to get quite lost. If you wouldn't mind taking us back to some form of... Uh, civilization, whatever form it is, would be most kind, and we won't be any trouble, I can assure you, I mean, look at us. Sort of looks you up and down, and sort of like, ah, I'm afraid I've got a quite important, um, sort of points back, I've got an appointment at the reservoir, I've got, there's no space in the truck for you, unfortunately, but I, I can, I could go drop it off and then come back for you. How long would that take? Well, it depends when I get there. There's a lot of unloading I have to do, and then maybe run some odd jobs. Does the truck look full? At a glance, it does, yeah. There's definitely, like, crates and stuff on the on the back. How far is this reservoir from here? That's about maybe seven, six miles. You're more than welcome to come. I just don't have space for you right now. So we'd be hanging around here for a good two hours or more. Oh. Uh, so the operative what? term, there is more. Hmm. Why do we want to go with this man? So we should just... I'm just tired. I understand, but let's let's keep it the path. Uh, let's see if he can give us anything that will maybe clear up the way around here. Any directions to the sort of north northeast we're going, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that he can give us a direct a bit more northeast. Uh, northeast? Well, you could follow the trail a little bit around here. Uh, uh, the road. Do... The road's probably the best way for it, but. Uh... I'd stay out of the forest myself. All sorts of scary things in there. What do you mean? I mean, it is. It's just a forest, right? Right. But like I said, there's like the wildlife, you know, uh, mountain bears, uh, maybe a moose. You don't want to get angry with a moose. Certainly close to the border. Uh, they're quite aggressive. Certainly the, the mothers are of their young. So we can just simply follow this road and that'll take us to the northeast. It'll take you towards the reservoir. That's where I'm going. I'm part of the team there. I've been sent to look it up and uh, to get it ready for the waterboard. 
you're um you're part of the group that's been uh, surveying is that right yes yeah mr strong said is there yes uh mr strong is in fact a a good friend of uh Ms. Alderson here. Oh. Yes, it was quite sad to hear what happened to his young girl. We're trying to keep an eye out as well as doing our own investigations. Sorry, what, what happened to Jane? Didn't you hear my goodbye? The poor girl's been kidnapped. Wow, that's that's awful. No, I hey. went, we hadn't heard anything. We've been working day and night at the reservoir. Hadn't heard anything about this. Oh, that's that's terrible news. Mr. Strong must be very upset. Mr. Strong is your boss, am I wrong? No, you're 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 totally right, but he doesn't have time to come see the site, you see. That he leaves that to leaves that to the foreman. Then we report back every so often. I just went into town quickly to get some supplies. Uh, out of town, sorry, not not Bennington, just a bit beyond that. And tell me, did you hear anything about people looking through the forest when you were there? No. Why should I have been? Um, no, no reason. I just, um, well, I, forgive me, I'm, as you can tell, clearly not from here. I just assumed that uh, word might I assume. quite fast. Mm. Um, would you just excuse me a moment? Take your time. I turn to Zolzan. Yeah. He just sort of leans back, like, looking at all three of you on the honesties. They said they were taking people from all towns nearby. Seems odd to me, too. Seems more than a little odd. I say we need to go and have a look at this reservoir. I agree. But we're not going to go with him. Let's tell him we'll make our own way. Yes. Seven miles, though. That would take us uh, all day. Oh, yes, but at least we're not walking in the forest. Lydia yeah. says, we'd, well, we'd probably have to camp again. How far are we from the Bennington now? Bennington, you're probably about, I'd say, you, with that sort of the good check from yesterday, probably about four or five miles. It's very hard because, again, it's not a straight track because obviously the trees are getting in the way and maybe you've had to go round certain, certain bits and pieces. We could go back to town, hire a car. I'm a pretty good person behind the wheels. Certainly an idea. Would I know whether that's something I could potentially do? It's definitely something you could potentially do, although you've spent a day already out and these sheriff did say like they wanted to have many people out to sort of loose yeah. tie the net. So if you were going to go out, you could potentially risk them breaking through and trying to get, you know, if they were trying to double back and stuff, you would remember that. I take out the compass, mm -hmm. sort of point it further up the road to see that it's lining up north correctly. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, on, yeah off and on, yeah, because it sort of goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. North, it's, north. it's doing the thing that compasses do. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, why don't we keep going the path we are? We know where the reservoir is and we can just head that way. We do still have work here. Mr. Greylock, as always, who have a very sharp view of these things. Yes, let's keep going. Uh, thank you for your time, Mrs. Stanton. Pleasure. Uh, your work. Are you sure? I, you just have to wait a couple of hours. I can come back for you. Uh, I think we'll uh, make our own way. Who knows? We may come across something interesting yet. Uh, that's that'll be interesting. I'll, I'll let the foreman know. If you if you make it to the reservoir, there'll be a gate. Ask for uh, Carl White. And that's your foreman, is it? Mm-hmm. And keep your eyes out for that young cookie. Oh, I will. Sorry, you said that she was missing. Oh, yes. Two weeks. Wait, did she just up and leave, or...? Honestly, we're not sure. Well, we'll keep an eye out for her. I mean, the words are no place for a, for a young girl. 
Oh, and one more thing. You have your local man, am I correct? Uh, I don't suppose you've seen Sidney Harris? Who's that? Uh, Eugene Clayton. Oh, I think I saw uh, some posters, right? There's some in uh, Woodford. Uh, wanted posters. I recognize the name. I've never met them myself. Why? Are they are they out in the forest? Well, who knows? Uh, just, well... You'll have to forgive me. It's uh, this. They are um, an old acquaintance of mine, uh, someone I knew from back in the war. Fair enough. Like, I just, you know, you understand that uh, the reservoir is Mister Strong's pride and joy. If any trouble comes of happening there, but we need to know about it. You understand, right? Yeah. Yes. Of course. Right. Well. It sounds like you're doing a spot-on job there. Well, if you make it up there, maybe we'll take you on a little tour. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, we'll keep an eye out for Miss Strong. Of course. Safe travels. Instead of I see you, my friend. Gets in the car, like, starts up the engine and drives and goes into the distance and disappears. Will Mr. Greylock and Miss Alderton get through this forest and find Jane? Or will something, or someone, get there first? Find out next time on What Am I Rolling? The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's players were David T. Cox and Sam Robbins. This episode's RPG was Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game by Chaosium. You can find out more information about Call of Cthulhu and buy related RPG products on the Chaosium website. That's www.chaosium.com. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at wair underscore podcast for the latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply.